If you treat your employees like royalty, they will treat your customers like kings and queens. You're listening to the Build a Vibrant Culture podcast with professional speaker, coach, and consultant, Nicole Greer. Welcome, everybody, to the Build a Vibrant Culture podcast. My name is Nicole Greer, and I am here to help you build a vibrant culture. And I am so excited today. I have a wonderful, wonderful guest on my show. His name is Jonathan Cotton. Let me tell you a little bit about Jonathan. First of all, he's a guy after my own heart. He loves Jesus. He loves his family. He loves his employees. Don't miss that. You have to love them. Uh, He loves people. He's been married for 37 years. So he and the missus are beating the odds. And he is the father of five and the grandfather of 12. I'm curious about the grandchildren. I don't have any yet. Nothing, no prospects ahead, but I bet you it's fantastic. He's the president and CEO of Easy Step enterprises with 15 locations of the Good Feet store. Now, I know what you're thinking. My feet hurt. Well, we might talk about that a little bit. Uh, He's passionate about the mission of business and leveraging businesses to transform lives. Please welcome to the show, Jonathan Cotton. Hello, Jonathan. Hi, Nicole. Thanks so much for having me. This is great. Yeah, I'm so excited you're here, and um, we're delighted to have you. I, I know that I sent you a little goodie package in the mail, and so here's what I want to ask you right out of the gate. I'm collecting definitions. I'm trying to get my head wrapped around this thing, leadership. It's so big. It's so broad. It's so amazing, and it's key to building this vibrant culture. So I want to know what your definition of leadership is. I don't know where I I first latched onto this, but I think it's somewhere along the line of reading Henry, Dr. Henry Cloud's book on integrity. And Nicole, we define our uh, kind of the foundational value within our company as radical integrity. Okay. And how we, what we, what, how we define it and kind of the descriptors around that is, is radical integrity is uh, wholeness. It's alignment. Uh, it's consistency. It's the courage to truly see ourselves relate to others and to face the demands of reality. And that that phrase to face the, the courage to face the demands of reality came from uh, Dr. Henry Cloud. Uh, but I think that's really what's necessary. If you don't have that, you're not a leader. There's no way. And I think leadership from there can take a lot of different forms uh, as far as based on someone's interests, their passions, their, their personality, their strengths, that kind of thing. But the radical integrity is the glue that holds it all together. The radical integrity is the is the flame that the moths want to gather around and that, that, that allows you really what leadership is, is influence in people's life. And if they see a lack of integrity, you will immediately, your, your influence will stop. I love that. And so for those of you who have never heard us name drop Dr. Henry Cloud on this podcast before, uh, he is also a genius, not only around integrity, but around putting up proper boundaries in your life and all sorts of things. So genius, genius. Okay. I love that. So radical integrity. And you know, that's part of my coaching methodology, Jonathan. I uh, I tell people when I coach, we're going to do self-assessment, which is something he mentioned. Don't miss, miss this people. Uh, you know, you're interests, your personality, your strengths. You got to figure all this stuff out in life, you know, and then put it to work in the world. That's like kind of your responsibility. Um, But then I talk about habits. And then I talk about the fact that you've got to really focus on integrity. You know what I find, Jonathan, that that people think they've got integrity all the time. And I, I tell them, no, it comes and goes. It's when you lose the awareness that it slip, it slips a little bit, you know, you slip Absolutely. out of gear. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think about that idea that we kind of waffle 
Yeah, it's not. It's, it's an aspirational uh, value. It's not That's something right. that you attain. If you ever get to the point to say, "I've got it," you know, it's it's I, I, I've claimed this, then you're in trouble, really. And it's a it's a constant thing. I find myself to be challenged. And I, every offer letter that we write to an employee, we we ask them to we say that the success is to embrace our our mission and values. And if ever they feel like that we as a leadership team have ever strayed then they they should hold us personally accountable to that and i think that's part of that's part of that radical integrity if you believe that you're above being accountable to if you want to call them the least of these you know uh the, the people that are that have the the, the, the the quietest voice or the smallest stature if you're above being accountable to them yeah, you, then again yeah you've you're, at that moment you're no longer a leader yeah. Yeah. Okay. So everybody, you just got your first to do from Jonathan. You know, he's a leader. He can't help it. He's telling us what to do. So I think you need to get your offer letter out. I think you need to look at it and uh, put a sentence in there. This is so genius. You know, our success is about you embracing mission, our mission and our values. Oh, I totally love that. And then an invitation to hold Jonathan or the leadership accountable. Fantastic. All right. So there's your first to do. Get your get with your HR folks. Get that straight. I love that. I totally love that. Well, we were talking before we got started. And, you know, I should just turn on the recording before we get started and have that little messy bit in the beginning. Uh, but you said something. You said, you know, I, I look at business as a mission. So, gosh, I love the word mission. Okay. So talk about that, Jonathan Cotton. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, it's interesting, Nicole, I mean, I have to weave this back into kind of how I got into business. I was oh, please. In, uh, I, I was in account sales for 25 years, loved it, Lo- loved all the people that I met, had uh, the opportunity to interface with some of the most fascinating people in America and, and in, including, you know, the recent college graduates all the way up to those who occupied the highest positions in business and government and, and other places. And that was a fantastic training ground for being a, a, an owner. When I came to, I, I came into the Goodfeet store as a customer. I had plantar fasciitis, was a you know lifelong runner, and was getting to where I could only run a mile and a half, two miles. Oh. I came in and I tried all the kinds of things, uh, you know, over the counter and different things, and nothing seemed to work. And I got the arch supports from the Goodfeet store. Simultaneously with that, our daughter Kayla had was at the very beginning of of a, a very difficult health journey, and that year. She was hospitalized and, uh, you know, there's a verse that says, be still and know that I'm God. And as an activator, somebody who is, a, uh, you know, that, that's my number one on, on the strengths finders uh, thing as, as an activator. I, I can I interpret that verse as just run longer mileage, you know, kind of like Forrest Gump, you know. And, and in the process, I began to run longer. And finally, one day I said, I think I can run a marathon. If I trained for it, uh, even though I didn't train for it properly, and I did, ran my first marathon, we continued on in in Kalo's health journey, came back in the next year to be prepared for my second marathon. And I told the owner of the store at that time, I said, I've never had a product transform my life like these art supports. And she literally Mm. pivoted and looked at me and said, you want to buy the place? And, uh, you know, I kind of laughed and left. Uh, I came home. And I told my wife about what just had occurred. And for some reason, Catherine responded like this. She said, uh, well, maybe you ought to check it out. Now, if you, if you, for those, no one knows Catherine, but she is on the risk averse scale 
Uh, she took two significant risks. One was saying yes to an 18-year-old who had no money, uh, not much ed education, uh, no, no real job, no real career going on. She said yes at that time. And the second was, was when she said yes to uh, pursuing this opportunity with a good feed store. And so a week later, I came in and I, I told her, I asked her, I said, Mary, were you really serious when you said, uh, would you like to buy the place? And she said, yes, I'm not cut out to be an owner. And so um, I left a 25 plus career, year career, had no idea whether this would even pay the mortgage. I said, we'll do it for a few months. And if it doesn't, I can get a part-time job. And, and the rest is history, you might say. You know, so but, but but the attraction to that, Nicole, was that I saw something that had transformed my life. And I saw the opportunity to take the business and really put into practice a lot of the things that I believed I wanted the opportunity to do. Uh, you know, myself, and and it just kind of fulfilled so many things. So uh, that's a very long answer to your question, but that's uh, that, that's the story. <laughs> no, it's a beautiful story, and we learn from stories, Jonathan. It's 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 a much much needed thing in this life, as we need to hear stories of people who who follow, um, you know, their dreams and little prompts that you know, like God plops down in their life. Like, I mean, I think that that was like a, a I call it a God wink, you know, when she says, you want to buy the place? Yeah. It's kind of like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And um, I actually um, have a little exercise. So Jonathan is, is prompting me to give all of you listeners a, 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 an assignment. Okay. So here's your second to do. You should walk away from these things with to do's. All right. So your second to do is to email me at Nicole at vibrantcoaching.com. And I'm going to send you this little exercise called points of light. So little moments where you got a God wink or like things lit up in your brain and you were like, oh, is this for me? And so Jonathan had that. Um, sounds like Catherine, did you say that was your bride's yeah. name? Okay. Yeah. And so Catherine had two little points of light and I'm sure she's had many since then. Um, but gosh, I love, I love a gal who's, who's good at rolling the dice on a guy who's, who seems to have a little chutzpah. So I love her already. Never met her. All right. So you said something that I thought was so great inside of your story. You said it would give me an opportunity to act on some of the things I believed you said I, I could act on some of the things I believed. So can you tell us what you wanted to act on that you believed in? I'd love to hear what you believe in. I think beliefs are huge for leaders. You got to know what you believe. Yeah. Let's end. It's interesting. Go back to the strengths finders. Activators, number one, believe yeah. is number two, and woo is three. Okay. So, so okay. what that means is I start doing stuff and then I got to figure out, oh, wait a minute, what, what is this? How does this correlate to what I believe? You know, uh, so probably a little bit backwards there. But anyway, but you know, the, the thing is, I think that uh, I had the privilege of working for some companies that uh, had created some, did some very good things with their people and really respected their people. And I really enjoyed mm. it. Uh, and that's why for many years, I never thought that I would go into business. It's kind of like, why? You know, I've got, I've got such a good deal. But I think the more that uh, time goes on, you just realize, and, and some of the things when I look back on my on my career, I realized that I would have conflict at times with my with my bosses because I, I looking back, I realized that I was trying to be an owner and I wasn't an owner, you know, and that's oh. kind of a, that, 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 that doesn't work. You know, I was so passionate about certain things and, and I would, and I would express things in a way that, that really wasn't probably the most subordinate type of thing that you, you're supposed to in a hierarchical type of structure. But, um, but, but several things, one is that within a business, you know, kind of like, what's the purpose of the business, the purpose of the business to make money. Is that, is that what we're about? Or is the purpose of a business to be able to provide kind of an incubator for growth, whether it's uh, for our own growth or the growth of employees 
uh, to do something that's meaningful to customers. So I, I've always reflected, thought about businesses that if you look at some businesses and including some that would be in the Fortune 500, you know what they do with their best customers, Nicole? Tell me, tell me, tell me. They kill them. Oh, not figuratively. Not, not figuratively, literally, they kill them. Okay, talk, talk. Think about it. Think about the cigarette industry. What, what happens to their best customers? Think about many of the consumer product companies. The, 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 the customers that consume their products the most, mm. they die. Okay. Now, I don't want to be in those businesses. No. That, that, that's, not, that's not what I want to be a part of. I want to be in a part of a business that transforms people's lives. And I'm so thankful that we have customers coming in that says, my life is forever changed because of the visit to your store. Mm -hmm. We have employees who say, my life is forever changed because I came to work here. I get so thrilled at having a 22-year-old employee who says, guess what? I'm going to buy my own house, you know, or someone who says, guess what? I'm in my early 20s. I'm making more money than my parents. Or guess what? I took this job while I was in college thinking it was just going to be like a job to get me through college. And I'm going to graduate now with no student loans. That's right. You know? And I got and I got I got discounted running shoes uh, the whole time. Exactly. And and so those things and then beyond that, I think there's ways to leverage a business to do things in the community that you just individually, you would have to be such an uber wealthy person to be able to do the same things. Uh, but business provides a platform. It provides a platform for, uh, you might say, a bully pulpit, using that in the proper sense. You know, it just gives you kind of an amplifier to be able to, 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 to it really, it's not to spotlight our message, but often to come along and help other people with their message, you know, what they're passionate about. And so early on in our, in our uh, company's, you know, um, formation, I, actually, I've been a, a associated with an organization called TAPS, Tragedy Assistance Program for Survivors. And before we had any discretionary money to do anything with, we said, we're going to still use whatever networking we can have or whatever to continue to, to help in, in, uh, in, in this organization. And we've continued to do that. And one of the joys that I have had was in 2018, I was invited to TAPS uh, uh, annual banquet up in D.C. And in, in their banquet, they had a presentation and the preceding person who came up to speak was an aero defense contractor who had given them a million dollars and they were being recognized. Now, at that time, our annual revenues were not, uh, I don't think, let's see, in 2017, our annual revenues would have not have even been $2 million yet. Okay, so our annual revenues. And so, so here's a defense contractor that's given them a million dollars. And the next person that they, they invite me up to be recognized as our community partner of the year. And we didn't do that through money. It wasn't through money, but we simply did it through just figuring out how we could to use the, the, the various accesses to media, to other things and, and help and support them. And I think that's just the, that's, that, that, that's just one of the many joys I have for being in business. So anyway. Mm, I absolutely love it. Okay. Now I want to go back to this thing about the purpose of your company. Uh, so I'm going to tell you a little story. Jonathan will share stories here. So I was standing in the airport and uh, in the line, you know, one of the lines, one of the many, many lines in the airport. I don't know. I can't remember which line I was in. <laughs> so anyway, I'm standing in line and I, you know, I'm being myself and I have Woo. Woo is my number one. So yeah. 
I'm sitting in there and I, I, I turned my woo on because I'm bored. Right. So I'm like, let's, let's, you know, let's do Dale Carnegie. Let's, you know, what, you know, win over people and make friends and all that kind of stuff. So I'm just chatting it up with everybody in line and entertaining people as best I can and uh, making the line, you know, not so painful. And uh, this guy says to me, he says, you know, I have really enjoyed talking to you. I said, well, thank you. I've enjoyed talking to you. And so he hands me his business card and it said uh, something or other tobacco company on it. And uh, he says to me, he says, we could really use somebody like you. And I said to him, I said, I would love to be LinkedIn with you. I'd love to be friends with you, but I could never work for you. Because, <laughs> you know, this is just violates my core values. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. I can't, I can't do that. And he goes, yeah, that happens to me a lot. Yeah. Wow. wow. Yeah. And so, you know, it, it is a thing. So, you know, yeah, and here's the thing. I, I'm, I love what you said about earlier. You said um, embrace your our mission and our values. You know, companies pick these core values out. And, um, you know, I give I give a lot of companies heck about it because they don't utilize them as a tool. And that's what they're really for. And you're use, utilizing it in your offer letter. Can we go back to that for a second? Because sure. um, I'm sensing your core values again. Like, so be helping is a core value of yours or some word like that. So yeah. what, what are the values you guys embrace? And then like, how do you instill that? I think a lot of CEOs, leaders struggle with, okay, so now I got these values I picked out. I read in a book, I should do it. Now what do I do with them? Yeah. I, and I think it's got to be, uh, you know, uh, Nicole, if it, if it comes kind of from outside of you and it's something that you're superimposing on the business, it's never going to work. It has to come from inside. You have to connect to your own values and your own beliefs, I believe, for them to for, for them to be able to have meaning and for them to have life from that standpoint. So our vision, mission values, we talk about them all the time. They line our, our conference room walls, which that happens with a lot of companies. Yeah, it, it's it's something that we just integrate into who we are. So, um, you know, first is our, our, our vision as a company, as, as an employer, Easy Step Enterprises is committed to providing a safe, respectful environment full of opportunity for uh, anyone willing to embrace our mission and values. As a retail business, we sell more than solutions. Our customers are buying hope. And as members of our community, we walk beside people on their journey regardless of their need, because we are people who love our neighbors and who believe it is more blessed to give than to receive. That, that's, our, that's our vision. So there's three aspects to that. It's uh, customers, employees, and community. And our, and our mission is very simple, helping our communities live an active and healthy lifestyle one step at a time. Now, that's separate and distinct from our franchisor, but we, so we, also, have, we also embrace the franchisor um, mission too that relates to exactly what you know the easy the the, the good feed store and, and kind of what we do in, in the store so then um the values are something that that really uh everything rests on so you think about four pillars to a building and so that's that radical integrity is is that first one speaking of the wholeness consistency alignment is the courage to truly see ourselves relate to others and to face the demands of reality uh without that and we say that there's two things that an employee must have. They don't have to have radical integrity when they come to us, but they have to have baseline integrity and they have to have desire. We can't teach either one of those, that they have to possess both of those things when they come. We can teach them what radical integrity is over time, uh, but they have to have that baseline. We can't teach desire. So the second thing is passionate persuasion. We, we are, our, our business uh, it is, you know, it's a sales oriented type of business. So uh, it, it, without that, but in, in thinking about that is how do we embrace that without 
becoming manipulative. You know, we, we start off that also has three components. Believing to the core and the value of our products and services. We participate in transforming lives, achieving dreams, and realizing potential. We're unabashed advocates for the health and well-being of our customers. So to the degree that we believe to the core in what we're doing, to the degree that we understand how much we impact other people's lives, it allows us to be unapologetic for saying, hey, this is what it costs. And it's not cheap, okay? It's not, it doesn't, and, you know, and, and people are often surprised at that. But so that's that. That's the second one, passionate persuasion. So it's not manipulation. It's just believe. And, and Dan Sullivan talks about, and strategic coach talks about, uh, always be the buyer. And I love that thought so much, Nicole, because we'd already had this value in place. And then I said, always be the buyer defines passionate persuasion. That's what this is. This is not trying to get something, people to do something that we don't believe in. This is just letting it come out from inside, you know. And then unwavering positivity is... In, in a world filled with anxiety, we choose to be messengers of hope. You know, that's that's really the that, that's really the essence of unwavering positivity is uh, there's all kinds of things that hit at us and, 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 and can, you know, clog up our brains or whatever. And then the last one is persistent diligence, having a champion's commitment to excellence. Uh, we embrace the truth of the timeless proverb that slack habits and sloppy work are as bad as vandalism. And that's yeah. from Proverbs 16. And so a lot of times what we think of in, we think of motivation and in, particularly in sales, you can think of um, a lot of, you know, glitzy type of things, but a lot of it comes down to do your job and do it well and be committed to it. Be, be you know, don't shy away from, when you need to be sharpened, when you need to have the the rough places taken off, or whatever that's that's impeding progress. So that that's our those are uh, that's our vision, mission, and values. We incorporate it all the time. We talk about it all the time. Um, it's something that we we have them hanging in all the stores. Um, we, we incorporate it into what it means when you're with a customer and what it looks like as you engage with uh, your your fellow employees. What it looks like in a performance review. Our performance reviews all relate back to those to those, uh, the, the, those core values. Mm, I love it. Okay. So first of all, you know, Jonathan's not going to get a big head because I know him, he's humble, but I just, I just want to want y'all to just maybe rewind. Okay. So that's, that's a woman who's 55 telling you to do that. No, move the cursor on the screen backwards on your little screen on your iPad, iPod, whatever the thing is you're on right now, move it backwards and just listen to him talk about his uh, mission, vision, core values again. Now, Here's the thing. There's there's a video going. You may not be looking at the video, but he just ripped it off, people. It's in his soul. Okay, I'm going to say it like that. So you can, I'm waking you up, those of you who are on the treadmill. So it it wakes you. Wake up. He's got it in him. He doesn't have to think about what are my mission, vision, values. True story, Jonathan. On uh, Monday, I was in a room, and I had people that were, you know, signed up to take uh, this class at a manufacturing facility, and they were going to take this class on time management. <laughs> and so, I think time management is such a funny subject. But I'm like, okay, I can do something on that. But the way I approach time management is like, what do you spend your time on? You know that old adage: if uh, if you let me look at your, you know, the things that come out of your bank account, you know, I can tell you kind of the quality of your life. You know that yeah. one. Yeah. So it's the same thing with your time. If I look Absolutely. at your calendar, I kind of know what kind of life you have, you know, if I, I look at the calendar. And so I approach it from that standpoint. And I'll tell you, I go so many places and I'm like, okay, so you guys have core values. 
And so how does how does the value um, the value intersect with what you're spending time on? Now look at look at Jonathan's uh, radical integrity, passionate persuasion, um, unwavering positivity, and persistent diligence. Those have everything to do with time too. So you guys get a lot done, don't you? What what all are y'all getting done? Talk to me about your strategy. I mean, I think you're probably killing it what, what how do you do your strategic planning i know these are undergirding <laughs> all that like how do you guys figure out what you're going to do in the air and i my imagination tells me either everybody bought a ton of shoes during covid or they were you know or they were on the couch how did covid affect what are you guys doing to overcome all that well first of all uh, nicole if i was in the shoe business i'd be i'd be bankrupt right now okay right right uh, okay so i don't we, we we sell shoes but it's such an insignificant part of our overall our overall revenue. What it is is the art supports that go into the shoes. Okay? Fantastic. That's, okay, that's what trend that that's the transforming part of our lives. So these these little things here. Right, oh right look, here. he just took it out okay. of a shoe. You got to watch the video. Okay, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and yeah, that didn't look so good either. As I realized that that's that's a used art support right there. Okay, that's right, heavily <laughs> that's, used and loved. <laughs> yes, but the thing is, is that most people. So just to give you a very quick, uh, uh, very quick uh, commercial on the on the art supports, most people Please. you have four arches in the feet, and they all have to be properly supported. The shoes that we have don't do that. The shoes are primarily most of the footwear industry is is around comfort. Okay, and so most of the products that are in our space are a reaction to symptoms. What we are doing is providing a response to the cause, mm. whether it's before somebody has pain or after they have pain. It's to address the cause of the pain in a non-surgical, non-pharmaceutical uh, approach, holistic approach to to health, and that's the beautiful part of what we of what we do. So that that that's what we do. Now back to your question about strategy. I feel like in some ways I'm the worst at strategy. All right. Oh, oh and, goodness, I'm surprised. Okay, and so here's. Here's why I say that is that when when I bought January 2nd, 2014, I walked into the Good Feet store as an owner. And Nicole, I'd literally spent an hour and a half in the store prior to that. Here I was basically risking everything that I'd worked for on, on something that I hadn't done a, a huge, you know, research paper on on the on the art support business or just, you know, everything like that. I just it comes back to that belief. It's just saying. I, I think this can work, you know, okay. And so we launch off and, and I didn't, there's nowhere, there's no paper written that eight years later, we would have gone from one location that the in 2013, the year before I bought it, had done about $440,000 in sales. One location and one other employee to today, 15 locations, 110 employees. And, you know, we're, we're, we're tracking to be do about $30 million in revenue this year. So, so it's just I kind of find it hard to to even talk about strategy in the way that you would think about a, of a Wharton business, you know, kind of case study on, on, on strategy, that kind of thing. But I do believe that uh, I, I think it still comes back to culture and how that mm -hmm. guides your, your thinking and everything else. Because how do you predict a pandemic? You don't. You know, who, 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 had the, who had the crystal ball to see that come? All right. Nobody. <laughs> and so, so much of strategic plans, and that's where, again, to go back to Dan Sullivan that talks about, he, he plans for what's going to happen in the next 90 days and what's going to happen 25 years from now, because really outside of that, there's not a lot to, you know, to, to think about the things in between is really, really hard. So when we're confronted with both opportunity and with challenges, 
it's in figuring out what to do in, in those in those instances. And if you don't have a good cultural framework that, that are that, that's you know provided by the values, then I think your strategy will go awry. And so in in the pandemic, you know, we shut down for six weeks, zero revenue, well, almost zero revenue coming in uh, through the stores because everything happens in a brick and mortar type environment. But it was so instructive during that time. What we realized is that we needed to change our entire training. And we were having so many variances in the stores that was that was hindering our success. And so post pandemic, post, you know, kind of the, the, the heart of the pandemic, our growth has just been amazing. And a lot of it is because of those changes that we made during that time of where zero, where revenue goes, you know, and, and, uh, and you're like, Oh, what do we do? You know, kind of thing. And, and so I think that's more of how I think about strategy. And I don't know if that's, that's probably not anything that's, um, you know, brilliant or anything like that, but it's just, uh, it, it's, it's just, yes, you have to plan. Sure. You have to think about growth. Sure. But it all has to be done within that cultural framework. Mm. Perhaps the strategic plan is equal sign the cultural framework. Yeah, yeah. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think so, and I, I think I've gotten to where I can embrace that more. You know, because yeah, yeah it, it's just it's kind of it's really cool to be kind of surprised by success. And 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 as far as oh, like you're yes. not you're, you're not like um, you're, you're not like yeah, this is I, I knew this was happening. No, actually, I didn't know it would happen. No, actually, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't think I was, I'm, I'm not that smart. I'm not that, I, I couldn't see that far into the future. And, and I wasn't that, I uh, didn't have that ability to say, well, here's, you know, let's look at all the, the, the market forces and let's put all this together. And, you know, this is how it's all going to play out. No, I'm not, I'm not Bill Gates or anything like that. I'm, I'm just somebody that's, uh, that I believe if we're true to our, whether we have success or failure, if we're true to our hearts, if we're true to our culture, then we can be at peace with that. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love what you're talking about. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. So I like that. I'm running with that. The cultural framework is the strategy. That's what I'm working. I'm going to work with that for the next week or two or three or five. <laughs> all right. So, okay. All right. So you said during this whole thing, you changed your training. All right. So of course, Nicole Greer trains people. That's what she does. Okay. So like my little radar went crazy when you said that. Um, so it seems like you might believe in training, right? So Absolutely. like I, and you know what, Jonathan, there are leaders out there that are not sure training is a good investment. I'm just like, yeah. what do you mean? What yeah. are you talking about? Yeah. yeah. So, so first of all, uh, dare I ask this question, but like, why do you train your people? Like what, what's the point? Well, you know, it's, <laughs> I'd it's, love it's, to know your thoughts. Well, you know, the, I know, you know, the quote, I'm probably not going to get it right, but it, you know, the, the person that says, well, what if we invest in all the training they leave? And somebody said, somebody else. Oh my said, God! What, what if we invest? What if we don't invest in the training and they stay? That's more the question, you know. Right. Uh, that that that's really kind of what we're looking at. So so we did. Um, we really hire a lot of entry level people that many have not had even like a real job, a real career type of job before. Mm-hmm. And when we bring them to Richmond whether they're going to work in the Annapolis store or the Winston-Salem store or wherever else, when we bring them to, to Richmond, put them up, not, not in a fancy hotel, but just in a, you know, a, a good hotel for five nights and invest in them, they feel so valued. And I think the thing is, Nicole, my thing is what, what I've realized is that 
I read a, a book a number of years ago called The Ten Commandments of Business and How to Break Them. And the first, the first command was the customer is king. And I can't, I can't remember the author now, but anyway, he said, the customer is not king. Your employees should be, if you treat your employees like royalty, they will treat your customers like kings and queens. So I view my customers are my employees. And how many times have you been in a restaurant or have we been in a restaurant and we've seen a manager and the manager will trip and fall over a customer coming into the store. And then if you catch them as you're going to the restroom or something like that, you happen to walk by the kitchen, you see them just berating one of their employees. And that's so messed up, you know? And I, I think our, our your employees need to know that you've got their back. You, they need to know that you care for them when life gets hard. And we have to be intentional as, as business people to seek those opportunities out. We've got to teach, and, and I constantly affirm to our managers, please let us know when someone is going through a hard time in life or a good time in life. Let's celebrate with them. You know, Jesus said uh, to, to rejoice with those who rejoice and, and, and or weep with those that, uh, you know, blessed are those that mourn for they shall be comfortable. I think it was actually the apostle Paul said, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep, you know? And so I think that type of uh, intentionality, it's not, not always a lot of money that you have to do. It's simply a note, a, a call or something like that to, to say, Hey, we understand you're having a hard time. Let us know how, how can we help you? How can we come along beside you and, and just uh, and work through this? And those things have happened over and over again. And that's why, I look at business as a mission and almost like a ministry too. It's like a calling. And if you don't have that, you probably should just buy a piece of real estate somewhere and, you know, or some stocks and just, you know, let your money accumulate like that. And that way you don't have to deal with the, the people. The, the, the people part of it can be your biggest headache at times, but it also is your greatest joy. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I tell people all the time, I'll use this language, Jonathan, I'll say, hey, listen, we got this big manufacturing facility out here. We've got these, these all these uh, good feet stores out here. We've got, you know, all this, uh, you know, the the convenience stores or whatever client I'm working with. And, you know, here's the truth. If we, uh, um, if, if, if some of us get raptured out of here this afternoon, ain't nothing going to get done. I mean, you, know, <laughs> you can have, you can have all the merchandise on the, on the shelves. You can have the POS system in place. You can have everything cooking. You can have it so, you know, systemized. It's like crazy, but there's, we, we, st- you know, AI has not gotten to the point where, you know, we, we can operate without humans. Right. So. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and actually we found in that, um, as we came through the pandemic and as things started to open back up, we could sense customers almost craving, even though we had to respect all the, you know, social distancing, and oh, different yeah. things, but we were in a very personalized touch type of environment. But they would almost crave that opportunity to have that after being kind of shut up for so long. They would almost crave that that opportunity to have that human interaction. And I think it's critical. And yeah, and there's something else, too. I think that uh, we we reference this offline. But, um, you know, we all go through seasons of life. And if your business, we know when everything is going great, whether it's in business or in your own personal life, um, then, you know, it's going great. Uh, right. the, the, the challenge to me, the test of whether what you're doing is meaningful is when life gets really, really hard. And I spoke of our daughter and her health journey, how it kind of just corresponded to our going in business. And, and her health journey has continued over the last 10 years. And, and um, she recently, you know, just made the decision to go on hospice because she's, 
I'm uh, so sorry. I feel like the yeah the the underlying condition of mitochondrial disease that she has um, is just kind of like a incremental type of type of thing. Mm. And so so it's 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 a hard time, Nicole. It it certainly is. It's one that tests your faith. But the thing is, and this is not why you do all the things that you do, but the blessing of having employees who come along beside you during a time like this and the relationships that you've cultivated and now they're they're ministering to you that's such a humbling thing and it takes if if you have a lot of ego and that kind of thing that's a good way to have the ego deflated and just to really understand that we're all in this together on really an equal level and we have different roles different responsibilities but um but we just need to see things in that in, in that way and it's and it's such a blessing and it, to me it's it's it is absolutely a gift from god it's something that, that it's a provision i believe that 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 god has used the business as a provision in our life to help uh to help me navigate so many things uh that have just been things i couldn't imagine and then but then it's like a, it's both an outlet for for pursuing that mission but also then it's almost kind of like being in church, you know, just in a church community in a sense, you know, in that way. And it's, that doesn't mean that everybody has to align. You know, I say it all the time. People don't have to align with all of my, it's not that, not that everybody has to look just like me. I think that's unhealthy, actually. Um, right, right. No. You, should, you should absolutely have. And, and one of the things. Diversity say, of yeah. thought, diversity of belief, diversity of different things. But it yeah. makes it more interesting, right? And you can learn. Uh, wisdom is it is everywhere if you're looking for it. You're exactly right. You're exactly right. And one thing in this environment if you hire for adversity, you will get diversity. If you hire for adversity, you will get diversity. Meaning that if we interview somebody and we ask them to talk about adversity in their life and they say, well, when I was a, uh, a senior in high school, you know, the, the tennis club at the country club, we lost our championship match. And if that's their definition of adversity, probably it's not a good fit here, you know. But if they talk about adversity, meaning that they lost a parent when they're going through high school and had to help care for their, you know, their siblings or whatever, whatever the situation might be, uh, then then they have those stories. It probably means that there's depth to this person that that they haven't, they weren't necessarily born with a silver spoon in the mouth and, and always fed with a silver spoon all the way up. But they, they that that depth gives them compassion and understanding and and everything else. We we also, in in, relate, in in addition to our values, we uh, refer to a, a quote from George Washington Carver that so it says, how far you go in life depends on you being tender with the young, compassionate with the aged, sympathetic with the striving, and tolerant of the weak and strong, because someday in life, you will have been all of these. Mm. And that's what we say is our people strategy. Oh, I love that. George, he's just amazing. How did he do all those things? Talk about <laughs> adversity. He was just, just persevered, persevered. Okay. Yeah. I love what you're saying. Okay. So here's a third to do, everybody, uh, is add the adversity question to your lineup for your interviews, right? So we're having like a little HR thing, but notice this is this is Jonathan's whole, uh, I, and I would also say your strategic plan is highly focused on I mean, it is people. Do I have that right? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, 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 we went recently went to our franchise awards. Uh, it was kind of, it was not a not the actual convention, but it was a you know a summit they called it, 
and they would refer a lot of things to, you know, Jonathan Cotton gets this award. Jonathan and I came back and, and, I, and I said tongue in cheek to our people, I said, I don't know what you all have been doing because I just got awards for selling millions of dollars of stuff. And it's like, man, if we can get the rest of you all doing something, we could have just an incredible uh, company. And I, I said, you know, that, that's so wrong because I haven't sold anything this year. <laughs> and we don't call our corporate headquarters, corporate headquarters. We call it the store support center because that's, uh, and I learned that Nicole from visiting. I had McDonald's as a client uh, one time. And at that time, I don't know if they still do. McDonald's didn't have any private offices. They said their sole purpose was to support the person cooking the French fries in, in, in the stores. And, uh, and so I, I want us all to have, we, we have actually have private offices here, but uh, I, I've, I want us to have the same thing that everything we do should be related to how well are we supporting those people, as you said, you know, cause it all revolves around the people. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So I, I heard a little servant leadership kind of philosophy bubble up right there. Better be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which I love. And the other, I, this happened like maybe five paragraphs ago, but this little thing went through my mind when you were talking about how people were hungry to get that one-on-one face-to-face service again, um, you know, and, and then I was like, oh, well, he's, they're, they're touching people's feet Right. And so then I got the whole foot washing thing in my head going th- through my head, you know, so it's really pretty cool uh, yeah. what, what you're doing. And I love all of, all of your references. That's fantastic. All right. Well, so, you know, I, I've got like five more questions for you. I'm not sure how much time we have, but here, here's what I want to do. I, I do want to make sure I get these questions. And this, this one is so important because did you hear yeah. everybody? He started out, he was in business development, sales guy. And then, you know, he goes to the store. Mary says, well, buy it. He's like, ah, I think so. Goes home, asks asks the bride. She says, check it out. And so here he is. So what are the skills that you think you've attained or, or put to work that maybe weren't there fully as a salesperson? Because a salesperson is a leader in my mind. You know, I mean, like you got to get out there and wave the flag and be out front and come on by my stuff. Um, and like you said, it's you, you have that passionate persuasion because you believe in the product and what it can do, the outcomes. But what skills have you learned since you've been like the big kahuna, you know, like CEO, <laughs> even though you don't see yourself as a big kahuna? Yeah, yeah. I, I think you really have to break things down to understand, um, you know, wh- wh- why, why, do, why do customers do what they do? What, what do they you know, what's important to them. And I think it's, for me, it was hard as a business owner to ask people for money, believe it or not. I almost felt apologetic behind that uh, initially because this was very different. I'd always worked for someone else and I was asking them to give money to someone else really. And I just happened to be an employee of the company. Now I'm the owner. Yeah. I'm sitting in front of you, Nicole, and saying, hey, and you're saying, you know, and it, and and you kind of almost feel like I, I should cut Nicole a break, you know, but then it's like, you have to understand you have to clearly understand what is the value of what we do. And that right. goes back again to that, that uh, passionate persuasion. There's got to be the radical integrity underneath it. All right. You've got to, you, you've got to make sure that you, you know, under promise and over deliver, you know, all, all those types of things. But, but then to just to really have um, to really believe fully in, in what you're doing and, and then to sit back and say um, a lot of what we do from a marketing standpoint is, tell a story and learn how to, to tell those and tell both our own stories and our customer stories and understand how that connects with people. You know, so there's a lot of that. That's there's a creativity aspect of it. 
There's ways to figure out how do we say it differently. You know, I'll just say this very quickly that when we first started, we started doing some advertising, had some radio people doing some endorsements for us, and it was kind of moving the meter a little bit. And so finally I said, you know what, I'm just going to tell my own story. So I wrote a radio script and I said, hi, I'm Jonathan Cotton. And as a lifelong runner, a number of years ago, the pain in my feet was debilitating. I tried drugstore cushions and inserts with no results. Finally, I went to the Good Feet store and found the answer, personally fit art supports. And they helped so much. I ran my first marathon that year. And then because I believed in the system so much, the Good Feet system so much, I bought the store. Well, not only did we start to see people coming in, but um, they came in and they started quoting word for word the ad. Okay. And again, I looked at it and said, now I, that's weird. No, it's okay. awesome. I, I, it was just, this is not, again, this is not uh, MBA marketing stuff. This is no, just, it's this hard is stuff. Just, yeah, coming out. And so, uh, but then later, as I said about always be the buyer, what I realized was, they were responding to an always be the buyer message. Mm-hmm. This was them saying that this was being the guide. The customer's still the hero, but you're the guide and you're showing them the way to go. You know, mm. um, I, I lost your question a long time ago. So that's kind of, I get off in the weeds and start wondering. <laughs> no, 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 no. So it was I'm, I'm an interviewer's nightmare, probably. <laughs> in the place, but anyway, <laughs> no, I, you know, we're just having a talk, right? No, but the question was, what skills did you figure out you had to have? And I'll tell you, I'll tell you what the skills were so that you know the answer to your own question, to the question I asked. Yeah, <laughs> you have you. to, you have to break things down. You've got to understand the value of what you provide yeah. and you can't be, you've got to be, I say this all the time, John, I'm like, you have to be unapologetic. Yes. Right. Yeah. So people call me, they're like, how much is coaching? And so I tell them and I'm like, you know, it's totally worth it. You know, and here's why it'll, yeah. it, it can change your life. You know, however, I don't have any pixie dust. I don't have a magic wand. I, you know, I don't have any spells I can cast on you. You are going to have to work for it to work. Yeah. But if you'll play hard, if you have, what, what did you say earlier? Hold on. Desire. You can't teach desire. Hold on. What was the other thing? You can't teach integrity. Based That's on right. Integrity. Yeah. That's right. You're going to have to be an in integrity to this coaching process or to this um, this process. You know, it's kind of like uh, if people buy the inserts. Well, if you don't put them in the shoes, your feet won't feel better. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's right. how it works, right? Exactly right. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, and the other thing that you said, you have to learn to tell stories. You have yeah. to share your own story. Yeah. That's very good. And then you have the proper perspective. So those are all the things that leaders need to do. (laughs) All right. So here's what we got to do. We got to wrap this thing up. Um, Maybe you could come back. We could play again, maybe in a little while or something. That would be fun. Um, So if you were mentoring a single special listener, and don't miss this, everybody, he does mentor all his people. And did you hear, I just want to go back. It won't leave my brain. He puts his people in a car, plane, a train, an automobile, and they come to to the support center, not the corporate office, and he puts them in a hotel for five days and te- treats them like a king. That that's probably the best what three grand he spends on ever. So anyway, so I don't I didn't want you to miss that. People probably work like a dog for Jonathan and love it, and he doesn't think they're dogs. I'm just saying that's an old saying. Okay, so if you were a single uh, special, or if you were mentoring a single special listener right now, what's what's the final like little nugget you would give them a piece of advice? You know, here's what you need to do. Let's give them their fourth to do. Yeah. So um, I think you have to, Nicole. You have to understand 
your own heart. And this goes back to that mm-hmm. fullness part of integrity. And unfortunately, it all kind of, uh, unfortunately or fortunately, it all kind of connects back to that radical integrity. If you don't know who you are, and, and I think that's why things like strengths finders and that kind of thing are so powerful, that made sense of who I am when I, when I actually fairly well into my career and I took that, it's like, oh, oh, that's why, that's why I hate sitting in conference rooms and right. looking at spreadsheets, you know? Right. I, mean, I mean, I would literally, I, I would really get upset. Uh, I'd do that. No, let me go do something because I'm an activator. I want to make stuff happen. Let's go, let's go, let's go, you know? And, and so, it, but if, because if you don't really know who you are, then if you get into business, you don't know who to surround yourself with. And, you know, fortunately I have, I have two sons in, in, in my business and, and uh, Jaron, my one son is, almost like kind of the opposite of me in a lot of ways. He's not, uh, he, he's very kind of analytical and how he approaches things. Oh, he's great, aren't you blessed? He's, he's a great compliment. You know, Jennings is much more like me. So uh, Jaron is really kind of sitting in that COO role and then Jennings and, and, and I've realized I need to be more the visionary and just stay in that space and not try to get involved in the weeds and stuff. And, and, and Jennings is, is leading our marketing effort and, and it works, you know, it works out very well, but you have to understand that you have to understand how, and, and the EOS, uh, that in the EOS model is a great model to, you know, to make sense of all that. So understanding who you are and really, really understanding your strengths. If you don't understand that, it's going to be really hard to know how to function and navigate and surround yourself with the right team. Mm, that's fantastic. Okay. So I'm going to say the final nugget is to know who you are, know your heart, be in radical integrity, surround yourself with the right people and get the book Traction, uh, which uh, is about the entrepreneurial operating system. He just downloaded another book. And the other book was The Ten Commandments of, Ten Commandments of Business and How to Break Them. Yeah. Okay. All right. So Street Finders and, uh, and Integrity by Dr. Henry Cloud. So there you go. There's your reading list for a while. Okay. Okay. All right. Get that, get that on the Amazon order right now. Fantastic. All right. Well, Jonathan Cotton, it has been absolutely a delight and a pleasure to have you on the Build a Vibrant Culture podcast. I absolutely adore you and want to have you come back and be on the show. And listen, my husband um, is going to go to the Winston-Salem store because he's been complaining of plantar fasciitis for about, I don't know, a month. So that's guess where we're going. You guys are open on Saturdays, right? Absolutely. We're closed on Sundays, but open on Saturdays. But uh, so I'm glad to say we are going because you, you need to go with him, Nicole. So you I will the full process. There you go. Okay. All right, everybody. I'll send a little report from the Good Feet store. Check them out on the internet. Jonathan, thank you so much. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you so much, Nicole. Really appreciate it. Ready to build your vibrant culture? Bring Nicole Greer to speak to your leadership team, conference, or organization to help them with her strategies, systems, and smarts to increase clarity, accountability, energy, and results. Your organization will get lit from within. Email Nicole at NicoleGreer.com. And be sure to check out Nicole's TEDx talk at NicoleGreer.com.